Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive as they serve and lead their schools. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. The longest year of my life was the year between my 15th birthday and my 16th birthday. Now, I know that it was only 365 days between my 15th birthday and my 16th birthday, but it felt like five years, and that's because I couldn't wait to turn 16 so that I could drive. And I turned 16 in 1983, and if you've been to my About page, you know that I loved the 80s. Um, the movies, the, the music, the fashion, the TV shows, um, everything about the 80s. And so here I am in high school in the 80s, ready to turn 16. And I have an October birthday, so I was always the youngest kid in my class. So all my friends were getting their driver's license all during that year. And in fact, two of my friends actually had pretty cool cars, like muscle cars. And so, you know, like any 15-year-old, I'm obsessed with cars. And just that year seemed to go by so slowly. And finally, got my driver's license. And my car was a 1977 Velare station wagon. And it was bright yellow. It didn't have any hubcaps. And my friends referred to it as the cream puff. So fortunately, um, I... With, you know, I was a little embarrassed, but actually not too embarrassed because I had a car and it could get me from A to B. And um, sure, I would have loved to have one of those cool cars that um, one of my classmates had, but um, I had that car. And when it comes to cars, I've found like there's usually a, two different kinds of people. There are people who drive a car for a few years and they trade it in when it starts to get higher mileage. But then the other kind of people are the ones who drive a car until the wheels fall off. And then when it dies and finally, you know, gives up the ghost, it just goes directly to the junkyard. And I am certainly in the latter category. Um, over the years, we've, you know, we'll purchase a used vehicle, we'll pay it off, and then we'll just keep driving it and hope that there aren't any major repairs. And I remember when my kids were little, we drove a 1998 Chevy Venture minivan and it had well over a hundred thousand miles on it. We just, just kept driving it. And I remember the day that it went over 200,000 miles. And then we started talking about how we wanted to go to the moon with our venture. And the moon is 238,900 miles away. And that was the goal for us to get the Chevy Venture to the moon. Um, we fell a little short of that goal. I think it finally died when it got up around 220,000 miles, but you know, different people treat their cars differently or they have a different mindset about their cars. And I also think that, you know, there are different people. Some of them treat their car like it's a family member and they wash it twice a week and it's got all the bells and whistles and they never take it out when it rains. And, you know, some people, um, and I fall into this category, and I'm guessing that maybe most of you listening fall into this category, is you maintain it. The car gets you from point A to point B. It looks decent. It looks it looks good, but it's nothing crazy as far as expense or it's it's dependable. Um, and it looks, it looks decent. It looks good. Um, and then there's another category of people that basically treat their cars like a garbage can. They never do maintenance. The car looks like trash, and it runs like trash. So, like I said, um, I think most people... I know I fall into the middle category and probably most people listening that 
your car gets you from A to B, you take good care of it. Um, and, um, you know, but it's nothing, it's nothing crazy one to one extreme or the other. Well, you might wonder why on earth is Mark talking about cars? Why is he talking about when he was 16 years old? Well, for today's episode of the private school leader podcast, I actually have a very important question for you about you and about your car. All right. Here's the question. Do you treat your car better than you treat yourself? Let me ask it one more time. Do you treat your car better than you treat yourself? And unfortunately, for most private school leaders, the answer is yes. And that's because we neglect our self-care to a dangerous degree, and then we just hope that this one body that we have is still going to get us from A to B, and it's still going to run well, and everything's going to just be great. Um, But we don't do all the things that we do for our car to make sure that our car stays in good condition. And so on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the four ways that you can treat yourself better than you treat your car. Because this is all about self-care. This is about the fact that you only have one you. Um, Your mental and physical health is your most valuable asset. It's your most valuable resource. But If you're like me, if you're like most leaders at a private school and you wear all these hats and the tyranny of the urgent and all the hours that we work and all the decisions that we make, if that's you, I worry that we're not taking good care of ourselves and the statistics will support that. Um, The NAIS um, statistics about um, the state of uh, administrators in private schools, um, they did a study in 2021 numbers weren't good. Private school leaders are not okay. And so today we're going to talk about self-care and we're going to talk about four ways that you can treat yourself better than you treat your car. Number one, fill the tank. Number two, check the oil. Number three, pass the annual inspection. And number four, heed the check engine light. And before we jump into that, I just want to ask for you to Follow the podcast to subscribe um, so that you don't miss an episode. Write a review that pushes it out to more leaders so more leaders can hear this content. Um, But also, I want to remind you about the free resources for you over at theprivateschoolleader.com slash resources. A bunch of things that you can use for yourself, you can use with your teachers, and that can help you grow as a leader with this very complex and difficult job that we have leading our independent schools. All right, so let's jump into today's topic, and we're going to start out with fill the tank. So when you're driving around, I know this happens to me, sometimes maybe I'm not paying close attention to how much gas I have. Every once in a while, it gets low enough where a little sensor goes off, and it starts dinging, and it says low fuel. Well, the same thing happens to us every day. You get depleted during the day. You don't have as much energy at the end of the day as you do at the beginning of the day. And I want to focus on four things that you can do to fill the tank every day. Three of them are about things you can do every day. And the fourth one is about something you can do once a week. So we're going to talk about filling your tank. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is skipping lunch. And I'll be honest, I used to wear this as kind of a badge of honor. 
you know, I'd be going into the, the little room there where the microwave is near my office and pass a couple of teachers and have my little microwavable lunch. And they'd be like, Oh, it's three o'clock, you know, and I'll be like, Oh, lunchtime, you know, who has time to eat? Um, and kind of where does a badge of honor, no time for lunch today. Um, you know, we are doing our students and our teachers a disservice when we skip lunch. We know we need fuel. We need fuel to make better decisions, to show more empathy, to have more patience, to be a better leader. And when all said and done, we're not going to get a bunch of uh, trophies for how many days we didn't eat lunch. And I get it. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, over 30 years. I know all about interruptions and about not getting to eat lunch or about eating it at three o'clock. But the bottom line is that if we prioritize it, it will happen more often. And filling the tank, one of the ways we can do that is to stop skipping lunch. All right, number two. I want you to make a list of the three things that energize you the most at school. So it could be that it is uh, going to a game after school for 30 minutes, or maybe it's stopping by a lower school class and reading them a story, or maybe it is recess and lunch and walking around and just interacting with the kids and the teachers in that more casual setting. So make a list of the three things that energize you the most and then schedule one of those things into your day for 30 minutes. So 30 minutes a day, five days a week, there are going to be things on your schedule that are among that list of three things that energize you the most at school. And I can hear what you're saying. You're like, well, I don't have 30 minutes a day to do that. Okay. First of all, if you're working a 10 hour day, which most of us are at least, if not more, 30 minutes is 5% of a 10 hour day. Okay. And you're going to get a disproportionate return on your investment for energizing you and making you happy when you're doing the thing that energizes you the most. And it won't happen unless you schedule it. And the other thing is, is that you're still doing your job. It's not like you're sitting in your office with the door closed, like scrolling through Instagram, like you're out, you're in the school, you're interacting with kids, you're doing things that energize you the most. But this step, additional step is that you're scheduling it. All right, so that's during the day. And then you're going to make a list of the three things that energize you the most outside of school. Remember, we're talking about filling your tank. Your tank gets emptied every single day. Sometimes it's empty long before you even hit the middle of the afternoon. And then we just, like I said, we wear it as a badge of honor and we don't do anything to take care of ourselves. And then we don't have anything in the tank. And so Again, I just feel very passionate about this, and that's why I interrupted myself. But um, I know that a few years ago, I was diagnosed with severe burnout, and it was a long cumulative effect of me not taking care of myself. Many years ago, about 10 years ago, I was in the hospital with ulcers. So I've been there where I didn't take care of myself and got my act together, and I'm doing a much better job now. And it's made a ton, a huge difference with how I show up to school every day. And I just want that for you. So, all right, that's my little soapbox sidebar. I'll get off my soapbox. So, um, for, for you then outside of school, make a list of the three things that energize you the most outside of school. And then you're going to schedule one of those things 30 minutes a day. 
So 30 minutes a day at school, something that's part of your job that energizes you, but you're going to schedule it. And then outside of school, something that energizes you as a human being, and you're going to schedule it. So it might be time with your spouse or partner. It might be time with your kids. It might be walking your dog. It might be reading a book. It might be working out, um, watching your favorite TV show or whatever it might be. And it doesn't have to be the same thing every day. You're going to make that list of three things and kind of alternate what those things are. But for my family, it was having, we were very determined. My daughters, I have three daughters, so the five of us, all the way up through until the, for the oldest one uh, moved out, we were very, very intentional about having one meal per day together as a family. And sometimes when they were working crazy hours, it might be that we were eating dinner at like 9.30 p.m. or somehow we would like have breakfast together, but we didn't, we weren't successful every day, but we were successful a very high percentage of the time. And that was the thing that energized me was just that time with my wife and my daughter. So whatever it is for you, 30 minutes a day. And then the fourth thing to fill your tank, and this one you're going to roll your eyes and you're going to say, this is impossible, but just hear me out. Um, when I started working at a Jewish day school um, about 11, 12 years ago, um, the Shabbat rules for the Sabbath from Friday night through Saturday night were pretty strict that we don't do any school work. We're not doing emails. We're not sending emails. We're not posting to social media. We're not making phone calls. And so it was kind of like a forced Sabbath. Um, and the, the idea of Sabbath, you know, comes out of, um, you know, in the Bible, God created the earth. Um, it took him six days and on the seventh day, God rested. But you know that the word sabbatical comes from Sabbath and that um, in many colleges that university professors that after seven years that then they have one semester or one year where they're excused from their teaching duties and they do research or they write a book. And that's a sabbatical. So this is a concept that's been around for thousands of years and it has to do with rest after seven of something you're resting once. And so what I'm challenging you to do is to have a mini sabbatical every weekend. And that is 24 consecutive hours on the weekend where you don't work on school stuff. All right. So it could be from Friday at 4 p.m. to Saturday at 4 p.m. It could be from Saturday at 10 a.m. to Sunday at 10 a.m., but 24 consecutive hours, and it could be different each weekend. Maybe your kids play soccer this Saturday morning, and you know, but, but you know, you go watch your kid play soccer. You don't have to be on your phone doing stuff for school. Um, so, my point is, is that schedules change, but if you're intentional about it, I was kind of forced into it by working at a Jewish day school, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, is that 24 consecutive hours every weekend of not working on school stuff energizes me, rests me, and I am ready to roll um, when it comes time for the weekend to be over. And so it will be very difficult at first. Um, just try it, you know, start off, maybe start off with 12 hours or 18 hours and you just add to it. But um, the four things that we talked about with filling the tank are number one, <clears throat> stop skipping lunch. Number two, make a list of the three things that energize you the most at school and schedule it. Number three, make a list of the three things that energize you the most outside of school, schedule it. And number four, 
have a mini sabbatical on the weekend, 24 consecutive hours where you're not doing work for school. All right. Then we get on to number two, check the oil. All right. So for checking the oil, I want to tell you a quick story. So when my wife and I were engaged, um, this would have been the summer of 1990. Um, we were driving somewhere. I don't remember where we were traveling back from Connecticut or something. So we're on a highway in the middle of nowhere. She at the time had a Ford Tempo and all of a sudden the engine just starts making this terrible noise, this banging noise, bang, 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 bang. And we're driving along at 70 miles an hour. And so we get to the rest stop, we go into the garage and, um, you know, back then they still had people that could look at your car real quick. And, um, we found out that, uh, there wasn't a drop of oil in the car. Um, I hadn't been checking the oil. She hadn't been checking the oil and, uh, we're driving down the highway with no oil in the car. And we were just really, really lucky that the engine didn't blow. Now, why did I tell that story? Well, <laughs> among school leaders, the fact that we don't focus on self-care until we're just barely hanging on, that's kind of our MO, and that's really dangerous, just like it's really dangerous driving down the highway with no oil in the car. Um, filling the tank is the bare minimum that we can do to keep our car running, but there are things that we do for our car, like regular preventative care maintenance, like changing the oil every three to 5,000 miles. Every once in a while, you need new tires. You need to fill the transmission fluid. You need to um, do certain things that are routine preventative care. And self-care for you should be the same way. And if we never get the oil changed and we just drive our car, one day, and without knowing when, just one day, your car is just going to stop working. And I feel like that's a metaphor for most private school leaders is, is that we're just going along. We're not doing the preventative care. We're not doing the self-care. And we are just going along. And then all of a sudden, one day, we're not going to be able to get out of bed. Or we're going to be in the hospital. Or we're just not going to be able, our, our bodies aren't going to be able to take it anymore. Because our bodies were never designed for all this stress and for this duration of time. And so what are the things that we can do on a regular basis that will provide some preventative care for this one body, this one spirit that we have? And so I've come up with four things for check the oil preventative care. Number one, get a little more sleep. Number two, move a little more. Number three, eat a little healthier. And number four, relieve a little stress. So I'll just go through these quickly because I know you've heard this before, but with get a little more sleep, we know that we don't get enough sleep. I just would strongly encourage an evening routine and just try to start that evening routine a little earlier. And something that was a game changer for me is about a year and a half ago, I started charging my phone in the next room. And um, you might say, oh, well, I can't do that. You know, I have teenagers, they're out, they're running around, or I have an elderly parent. Okay. Charge the phone in the room, just charge it across the room where you can't reach it because otherwise you're going to be scrolling on the phone when you could be falling asleep. And then number two, just ask if you've ever done this, if you charge the phone next to the bed, have you ever woken up and checked email before you say good morning to the person you share that bed with? So where are your boundaries? Obviously not bed, 
Um, so I just found that that to be something huge for me. Um, and I don't need to preach at you, but I just am sharing my own experience that try charging your phone in the next room or across the room and try to start an evening routine a little bit earlier and see the difference that a little bit more sleep will make. And then number two is move a little more. So for me, it's uh, my office is on the third floor um, in the middle school hallway. So I get lots of stairs. It's the pace. It's standing. I got a standing desk. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of people with their wearable technology, um, you know, it reminds you to stand up. Standing desks are great. They're not that expensive. Um, you know, go for a walk when you get home. Ask yourself, what is my lowest barrier of entry? What is the least friction? for me to move a little more. Now, a health club might be lots of friction. You know, you got to pay for it. You got to get up. You got to get dressed. You got to drive there and then take off your coat and get ready to work out and all that kind of stuff. For me, during COVID, when I had when I was working here at home, the least r- friction, the lowest barrier of entry, um, I could walk through my neighborhood from one end to the other at a brisk walk and it took me 10 minutes. So anytime during the day that I had 10 minutes in between meetings, I'd be out the door, do a quick walk through the neighborhood and then um, back um, in the house. And so just move a little more if we can. Number three, eat a little healthier. Um, just be in control of your environment. And specifically what I've done that has been helpful is my office at school. Um, in my fridge, I only have my like lean cuisine things for lunch. And in my cupboard, I only have um, the protein bars that are um, high in protein, low in fat. Um, and then sometimes on the corner of my desk, I'll have a little container where I have some fruit. And that's the only thing that's in my environment. Um, if you control your environment. Now, if I had a bunch of cookies and bags of candy and whatever else, I'd be eating that all day. So um, control the environment at school. And then that leaves a few more calories for um, dinner when you get home. Um, And then relieve a little stress. Um, Just stop and think, what are the two things that are most effective for you at relieving stress? Um, And then just put it into your schedule and then treat it like it's a doctor's appointment. So it could be meditation. It could be journaling. It could be a walk with your spouse or partner. It could be just sitting in the backyard and interacting with nature, whatever it is. The thing that you wish that you did more often because you know it helps to relieve stress, put it in your schedule and then treat it like a doctor's appointment that was really hard to get. Those doctor's appointments that are really hard to get, somehow, some way we're going to make it to them, but we don't treat appointments with ourselves to reduce our stress like doctor's appointments that are hard to get. We treat them like they're just completely negotiable. So we just have to change our mindset. Again, we have one body and we're not taking good care of it and we're treating our cars better than we're treating ourselves. So number one, fill the tank. Number two, check the oil. And number three, pass the annual inspection. All right. So I live in Pennsylvania and we have an annual inspection for the vehicle and then we have emissions. So how much emissions is coming out of that vehicle for the environment? Um, There's a certain threshold that we have to be under. And then for the safety inspection, it's tires, it's brakes, it's um, no visible um, holes or jagged edges from rust and just a bunch of different things to pass inspection. All right. Well, my wife's, her family is from Ohio. And so we traveled to Ohio a good bit 
and they don't have annual inspection. And so I've been following vehicles on the Ohio Turnpike or on roads in Ohio that I'm just not sure what's holding the vehicle together. Um, and so if you live in a state with an annual inspection, maybe this story will sound familiar. Um, around the year, I want to say it's around 2002, I was driving a 1988 Dodge Shadow uh, five-speed with high miles on it. You should look up a picture of the 88 Dodge Shadow. Um, and um, I'm at a garage and um, it failed emissions. They put the sensor on it and it failed. And I'm standing there and I'm holding my breath because I always will try it a second time. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do if this thing fails. This is the vehicle that I was driving at the time and it has to pass. And I'm standing there, I'm holding my breath, and it passed the second time through. And so um, many times over the years, um, especially when our kids were little, um, just waiting for that call back from the garage, did our minivan pass inspection or how much is it going to cost to get it to pass inspection? So, um, you know, what about us? Um, you know, do you have an annual thing that you do that takes care of you? And I would say, yes, you should. Um, and I've gotten way better at this probably about 10 years ago as far as taking my health more seriously. I mentioned that I had um, I was in the hospital with ulcers back in 2010, 2011. Um, and so a lot better um, with taking care of my health. So just quickly, as far as your physical health, for everyone, an annual physical exam and blood work. Um, as simple as that. And, and hopefully most of you or all of you do that, but I know I didn't used to do it. Um, annual physical exam and blood work, make it to the dentist twice a year. Um, for women, um, an annual OBGYN visit. If you're over 40, an annual mammogram and for men, an annual prostate exam. Um, and just those annual things that we do for our physical health. Um, what about mental health? Um, is there such a thing as an annual mental health checkup? Well, I mean, that depends on your health insurance. Um, and it, there's really not, uh, you know, a tool out there that I've found that's, that's, um, um, well regarded, um, as far as like a self-assessment, but what about your health insurance? What about your employee assistance program, your EAP at work, um, as a bare minimum, um, maybe once a year you choose the person in your life that knows you well and the person that will be the most honest with you. Um, um, choose the person that checks both those boxes and just have a conversation with that person about how you're doing, how you're feeling, what they're noticing. Um, do that at least once a year just to check in and maybe you can check in on that person as well. Um, but it's always best to talk to a professional. Um I, when I lost three sisters in three consecutive years to either breast cancer or heart attack, um, and then my dad passed away a couple years later, um, each time I used our EAP at school and spoke with Virginia, the grief counselor, but the most recent time in the fall of 2021, when my dad passed away, you know, I was talking to her cause I thought I was dealing with grief over my dad dying. And I was actually um, diagnosed with a severe case of burnout. So um, our mental health, our physical health often intertwined. But if we think that we're just going to keep going and keep going and never um, have anybody checking in, especially big stuff once a year, then honestly, what it's going to be like is, you know, some truck that I'm following on the Ohio Turnpike that's so rusty and falling apart. And I wonder if the brakes work and it's bald tires and, you know, it, you get the idea. So 
we're talking about filling the tank, checking the oil, pass the annual inspection, and then finally heed the check engine light. So I'm sure we've all had this experience. We're just cruising along. The day is growing great. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. And then the check engine light comes on and your day goes sideways. And it's because it's really stressful because you're not sure what does it mean? Um, is this going to be a super expensive repair? It's stressful, but it's really, really important. And I think what most of us do is in short order, we try to make an appointment at our mechanic and have it checked out to see what's going on. Um, and I mentioned before that our family motto is kind of drive it until it falls apart. Um, and my middle daughter, Hannah, um, within the last couple of years, she traded in her used car that had high miles and, uh, we barely got it to the lot where we, uh, traded it in. And there were so many lights on when we were driving that thing. So many check engine lights. I didn't even know it looked like a Christmas tree. Um, and they put the sensor on it and it had 12 different issues. Um, and so we were glad that we made it there and we got, you know, a little bit of money for it, traded it in, got a, um, got her a, a much newer used car, but this check engine light business, we need to prioritize our self care, but what are the check engine lights for our mental health and our physical health? So I'm just going to hit you with a list here of these things. And I want these, you to think about these things in your life as your check engine lights for your mental health and physical health, feelings of extreme energy, depletion, exhaustion, physically and mentally disengagement, increased mental distance from one's job, cynicism, when you always think the worst and have a hard time seeing the good in anyone, overly negative, disproportionate reactions to situations, a small reaction to a really big event or a big reaction to something that is really kind of small, decrease in feelings of personal accomplishment, difficulty concentrating, sleep or GI issues, easily frustrated or quick-tempered, emotional numbness, so I actually just copied and pasted that list from my script for episode eight, which is called how to overcome burnout with boundaries. And those are the commonly referred to symptoms of burnout. And so if any of those things are coming up in your life, then, you know, what do we do when our check engine light comes on? You take your car to a professional. Well, when these symptoms appear in your life, I just urge you that, you need to go talk to a professional, um, be it a health professional or a mental health professional so that you can take that one body that you have and that you can take better care of it. So the big takeaways from today's episode, what are the four ways that you can treat yourself better than you treat your car? Number one, fill the tank. Don't skip lunch. Make a list of three things that energize you at work and schedule 30 minutes into your day. Make a list of three things that energize you at home and schedule one of those into your day for 30 minutes. And then work towards a mini sabbatical on the weekend of 24 consecutive hours where you're not working on school. Start small, track it, and then just try to increase it as time goes on. Number two, check the oil. These are things that are going to we're going to do on a regular basis as preventative maintenance with our self-care, like changing the oil or making sure we have good tires on our car. So what are those things? Get a little more sleep, move a little more, eat a little healthier, and relieve a little stress. And then number three, pass the annual inspection, get an annual physical and blood work, 
and depending on your age and gender, OBGYN, mammogram, prostate exam, etc. Number four, heed the check engine light. When you're feeling depleted, exhausted, disinterested, disproportionate reactions, difficulty concentrating, emotional numbness, or anything else on that list, talk to a mental health professional. The check engine light comes on. We take it to a professional. If these things are coming up for you, you need to talk to a physician or a mental health professional. And your call to action. I always like to end the episode with a call to action. Listen to episode eight, how to overcome burnout with boundaries. Episode eight of this podcast, how to overcome burnout with boundaries. I will link that in the show notes as well as making sure that I list all these things. I know I listed a lot of stuff, especially those symptoms, those check engine lights. Um, I just will put all that in the show notes and you can get those at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode 19. So I hope you got value from this episode. My mission is to help you thrive and not just survive as you serve your students and your teachers at your school. We have a very complex and difficult job. It's relentless, but it also can be very rewarding. And I want you to learn from the mistakes I made in my career and to just apply these different strategies that you hear on the podcast. So please subscribe. Um, You can Uh, check out a new episode every week on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Um, I'm on Instagram at the private school leader, Twitter at the PS leader. And again, those free resources are available for you. Please go check those out at the private school leader.com slash resources. I've been your host, Mark Minkus. I appreciate you and all your hard work and all the amazing work you're doing at your school. And your time is precious, and I appreciate so much you taking out some of the time in your day to be with me. And I will see you here next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.